0: what's up everybody welcome to another episode of browner and lawhead i'm john browner as always joined by jason lawhead we're powered by the mightier 1090 espn we are coming to you in southern california on a glorious day where the helicopters aren't shaking your homes anymore due to military exercises and the sun is out and there's no more rain and people are retiring People are getting hired. People are posing as 13 year old girls. There's so much happening. There's so many moving parts. We are here Monday through Wednesday. It is our Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Thank you guys for joining us. If you're new to the show, you can always catch up on what you missed on the iTunes podcast store or on YouTube under Kaplan and Crew. And enjoy the ride for today and do the rest later. Jason and I have a saying that we're going to put on a t shirt sometime in the store. By the time you get to us, you know the news. We like to have fun with the facts. What's up, Jason? Fun with the facts.
1: What's up, Browner? Happy February 1st, my man. It's a long time to get here. It felt,
0: like. I felt like. two. January felt like two months. It was a long March, but we made it. <laughs> I, uh, I find it funny that uh, February 1st, a lot of people tend to start throwing their black history quotes out there. Black History Month is obviously fought, uh, celebrated in February. Uh, I had a I, I, I'm going to spend a minute talking about this, not a long, but a lo- not a long time, but just a short, quick moment, because I'm irritated with people who say, "Why do we need a Black History Month?" Because I literally had to have this conversation this morning, and it almost like grocery stores can be difficult at times. If you think that we don't need a Black History Month and you can't answer simple black facts, then that answers your question. If I have to ask you simple black facts that you can't answer, then we need a Black History Month. Because if I ask you who discovered America, you can tell me Christopher Columbus. If I ask you what was the first day that slaves came to America, you cannot answer that question, that should be a simple black fact for you. Uh, these are things that are American history, which has been taken over as white history, apparently that you should know because everything that happened to black people in America is American history, but we don't teach that. So if we're going to separate it, you got to give people an opportunity to educate people on the culture in which they don't get on a year round basis. And so to those people who don't think we need the month, if you can't, answer simple black history questions that you've answered your own question jason i had to get it off my chest i'm sorry it annoys yeah. me every time you don't have to be sorry I, ha- I have to my wife is half black so
1: we only celebrate half the month oh, No, i, don't I'm just
0: kidding.
1: I don't we stop you. at the stop four- on the 14th it's
0: over we, we go right back to white history no i'm kidding you celebrate uh, more than <laughs> arizona then you get they get yeah. martin luther king day that's it sometimes half of it a quarter maybe
1: that's funny So, yeah, yeah. happy Black History Month. And, uh, you know, yeah, obviously, I agree in the sense that, uh, you know, um, this country was built uh, the way it was built if you don't know that if you don't know the history of that and can't appreciate that and can't face the truth of that then you know that's your own doing of people that get bothered like why do we have that it's just like why does that bother you
0: correct exactly like i don't i don't understand why it bothers you how is it hurting you how is it hurting your children how is it hurting the development of your community? How is it hurting your employment that there's a Black History Month? You know, it's you not. can
1: learn a lot. You can learn a lot. You know, there's this um, debate on, and we will, we'll go off of it after this little thing, but this is just my two cents. There's this bait on critical race theory and what we teach and, and what we should teach and how young we should start teaching it. And in my opinion is even if you believed that we should go all in on critical race theory from the beginning and jump streak, it's almost like nobody will ever agree. There'll be such a tug of war on, well, what curriculum do we teach? How, when do we teach it? How much do we teach? What do we dedicate? I'm almost to the point where it's like, you can learn if you want, you can learn so much just from the few Ken Burns documentaries that he's put out on baseball and how race was affected. Civil war, civil rights. So in my opinion, it's just like, just by like the seventh grade, just make every kid from the seventh grade through high school, you know, make a Ken Burns curriculum and just sort of, and that's the easiest way to do it. Now there's no fight. This guy went out, he did it on his own with his, you can learn so much. Mm-hmm. You can learn so much on uh, Ken Burns is uh, civil war. Ken Burns is uh, baseball. Ken Burns civil rights. Ken Burns has so many documentaries and he really,
0: doesn't blur any lines and that's what's really needed when we're talking about history because a lot of our history is not really it, a lot of the history of the native americans in this country isn't shared properly a lot of black history and what happened to black people in america isn't shared properly and on its face as it should be so we're growing we're always trying to go in, in the right direction and, and we're a sports show but sometimes we have to have a little bit of fun with reality and so that's what we're trying to do so celebrate black history month as you see fit As long as you celebrate it, Um, we are maybe celebrating Tom Brady's career, maybe not. I don't know if other people think that he's not retired. I saw the message. I don't think that it's necessary that we play the message. What I will tell you is that sounds like a man who's done. And a lot of people go, well, he's got two more years, or he he got that. Look, man. I have a theory of why this is, this is really it. And it has a lot to do with his divorce. So when Tom Brady got retired the first time, he felt forced into it because he had told his wife that this was it. And now here he is again. He goes home. He goes on a two-week vacation with his family, looks around and goes, nah, this ain't it for me. The guy got home. His kids are in their teens. They got friends. They want to hang out. They want to go do stuff. His wife's got a career of her own. She's got her own money. She's got her own thing she's doing now. She's out doing her own thing. And he's just like at home going, this is, this is it. This is what I'm going to be doing. And that and I, and I didn't sit well with him. So he went back to doing in his comfort zone. This time around, he's divorced. He's got the Fox contract. He's got his businesses. And I honestly think this, this time it is on his terms. This time he is setting the, the direction of the roadmap for where he wants to go. It's not driven by his ex-wife. It's not driven it's not driven by anyone else. A person with this much fight in him cannot now be told what to do. And I think the first time around there were so many people telling him what to do and he fought back against that. And now I think he feels like this is his this is his decision. It's his time to do something else. And I think that's why him doing that message the way that he did was very sincere. And very personal, but at the same time, it felt real and it felt honest. So that's why I think he's done.
1: I kind of disagree.
0: All right, awesome. That's what I kind of
1: disagree. I kind of disagree. I kind of feel like, um, I kind of feel like he's kind of forced into it in a sense of reality that is still there's this. Last year they played really well coming back against the Rams and almost won that game. So they lost a close game to the Super Bowl champions. He was, I feel like he was kind of going out on his terms on top. The reports came early, the way he didn't want them set out. Um, and then he molded it over. And I feel like he thought, I'm still Tom Brady. We were really close to beating the Super Bowl champs we'll come back. This division's week. I'll have my shot again. And if I don't get it done in Tampa, I'll be able to look around and kind of pick my home. Yesterday on Kaplan and crew, I listened to the show. Uh, you made a good point about the San Francisco situation. Well, that would be a great landing spot. I mean, the novice, the person that just kind of Looks around and thinks it's easy. Oh, he'll go to San Francisco, you know, mm-hmm. with Brock Purdy and and Trey Lance. Now they now they really kind of need a quarterback. It won't be like he's he's going in there and, and ruffling feathers because Purdy won't be ready. Well, guess what? You made a great point that Shanahan doesn't look at Tom Brady like you're a savior. I can work with anybody. I'll I'll, I'll work with whoever I gotta work with, and when they get healthy, I can I can kind of quarterback whisper us at least to you know, being a division winner and and a a threat in the playoffs, even if we don't have anywhere near the best quarterback. I kind of think Brady looked around at the end of this season, as opposed to last season, thinking, where would I go? Where could I go? We're we're not competitive here in Tampa. We weren't even a, 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 a playoff team. He went from almost beating the Super Bowl champs last year to then, getting run off the field in his own field by the Cowboys and then seeing those Cowboys get beat by the next week by a rookie quarterback and then seeing that team that beat the Cowboys go out and get boat raced by the best team by far in the NFC that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are miles away from. And if he goes to San Francisco, you know, it isn't going to be on his terms to run the offense. They're going to say, you can come here possibly, but you're going to be, a Denver Bronco Peyton Manning. You're going to hand the ball off to McCaffrey. You're going to hand the ball off to Mitchell. You'll have Kittle on reserve. He'll be your, like, other Gronk. But we're going to win on defense and ball control. And you're not going to put up, you know, you're not going to put up 55 passes a game. And and you're not going to have the the run of the the land. And then he looks around and goes, where else would it be? I think that video more or else was kind of like, I got nowhere else to go but retire in my opinion. And so I kind of disagree with you a little bit that it, I don't know. I, I felt like if it was really on his terms, he would have kind of taken a step in a beat in the moment and maybe come out with a, a press conference. Something. He already I did that. I, well, he did that last year. It was right. in a statement. It was in a statement. He retracted the statement and, um, Schefter reported it early, I think against his kind of better, you know, uh, Judgment, And I kind of feel like, you know, will Brady say more possibly down the road, but I think he's shell shocked more than he's like time is my time is ready. I'm ready. I didn't feel like he looked ready to retire. And that's why he just said, I'm going on a video for one minute and just saying thanks uh, generically. To everybody, I don't need to mention names because I think he's shell shocked. I think he's kind of like, wow, this didn't end the way I thought it was gonna end.
0: Shell shocked in this, <laughs> I, guess I really did. I guess we use the word shell shocked. What is shell shocking him? The fact that they weren't very good, which he was aware of, like, or well, I think,
1: I think, I think the fact that you know there isn't a bunch of teams beating down his door. Miami said we're going with Tua. Um, San Francisco is probably like, look, we're going to see what happens with health of our young quarterbacks and possibly, you know, uh, you know, uh, entertain the Jimmy G one more year. We've got a defense. We're a player away at the quarterback position, but I don't know if that player is Tom Brady. I don't think that he. I thought I think he thought probably as the season went on and things weren't going well in Tampa, I'll still have all the leverage I want going into next year with a lot of other franchises. And when it and when the time came, that wasn't there. And he obviously looked at Tampa and was like, hey, we're not what I thought we were at the end of last season going into this season. I, I just think he's he's a bit shell shocked in the sense that um
0: nobody I'm wants not, him. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the opposite. I think that there's a place for him definitely in Las Vegas. I think that if he were to – But he's alter- not going
1: to go play with Mahomes and, and Herbert. I've said that even throughout the season. um,
0: And well, I just he, don't think – that And another- that's why I disagree. If he wanted to play, if he wanted to play, and the team had a, a competent offense and a head coach who understood what he wanted to do, I think he would play because I think he sees himself on par, if not higher, on par with Mahomes. He sees himself. Well, oh, he may see him. himself, but I don't Correct. think anybody else has seen him that way. Oh, I, think I really McDaniel, don't. I think Josh McDaniels would love to have him come play quarterback in Las Vegas. I think Kyle Shanahan would love to kick the tires on the situation. I think that as a whole, if you're him, possibly with the nothing, leverage that Tom Brady wants, you is have not you in have, demand, and, and I think nothing, he's shell shocked by that. You have nothing left to prove if you're him. You've already done this thing.
1: You you didn't have anything left to prove. You could have retired in New
0: England with six Super Bowls. You didn't have anything else to prove to him. He probably had something to prove to himself because the way things went with Belichick, where a lot of people thought it was more Belichick than it was him. perhaps. So he, I I disagree from that. He had a ton to prove. And so when he's gone out and he's proved it now in a different place and everything runs its course. Sometimes you've done this thing and you're ready. And I don't think that the way he announced it had any indication on whether it was sudden or uns. I just think that he was—he's over it. Like that's it. And so why do a press conference when you've done it last? You've done it already. Why have a big fanfare tour when you've done that already? Like why? (laughs) The second time seems disingenuous. And I think he knows that. He's kind of got a level of self-awareness. And I think he just didn't want to do it. Now, I could be wrong, and you could be 100% correct. I just think that from the standpoint in which we're seeing it, either way, I think we both can agree that he's done one way or the other.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess this announcement makes you feel like it's final. Um, You know, I wouldn't put... Anything past him in a couple of months come around draft time when people people are starting to look at depth charts and he's still working out in a weight room and then he's with his nutritionist and somebody calls and goes, Tom, how you feeling? What are you feeling like? Hey, you know, we're doing this over here. We thought maybe you might want to come and who knows, man. I, I mean I wouldn't put it past him. I won't say. He's done until he's in that NBC or Fox booth, whoever wow. hires him and gives him that money. And he's sitting there with a shirt and tie, yucking it up with straight hand or, or, uh, you know, Tariko or whoever he's going to sit next to. And, um, that's when I feel like it'll be done.
0: You know, sometimes you think you're done and you're not done. <laughs> Great segue. Virginia basketball coach. Alicia boykins <laughs> wasn't done Mm-mm-mm. in Virginia a that miss boykins an assistant coach on a jV team decided it was time for her to you know rip off the old warm-ups and she jumped in a jV basketball game posing as another player who chose not to show up I don't, <laughs> I have a very, very simple saying is that adults ruin everything for kids. And if you, this woman was out blocking these kids' shots, flexing on them, like she, <laughs> like she's not 23, okay? These are 13-year-old girls, and she's 23. And by the way, they didn't win the game. They, they didn't win, win the game. Day. As the referee, Jason, you've refed more games than you could probably count. Mm-hmm. as a referee don't you look and go she looks a little old well there's a lot
1: of you know in both you know girls and boys there's games sometimes where you're like wow this this kid looks way older than the rest of have them. you have you
0: ever went over to another referee and went, yo this kid look a little too oh old we've
1: talked we, we talked about it before i've met you no know, we've joked around i'm like you know I, I I remember just this year they announced a kid and we're at the table and it's the starting lineups of a varsity game, and they announced this kid who who's you know I saw him in the warmup. I'm figuring this kid's a fifth year senior, and he comes out. They, they announce him as a freshman, starting freshman. He comes by and I looked at my partner as he comes by. You know they give you the little fist bump and they right. go they hit the fist bump the other coach before they run out into the circle before all fivers. And he was the first kid out. And they were like, freshman number 24, whatever. And he comes up. And I looked at my partner. And I go, that dude is, he's hes bigger than freshmen in college. Like, oh. I would. And he was like, yeah, right. Samoan kid. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. They, they, oh, grow, yeah, them, they yeah. grow them large, you know. But I was like, wow. And so, yeah, you have those moments all the time from both boys and girls. You seventh graders sometimes. You're like, there's no way these kids are seventh. Or there's, you know, for seniors even in high school that you're like, this, this guy drove the bus to the game. I mean, well, <laughs> what you know, what I mean? what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, you know. So This guy's um, got a
0: nice shift in 20 minutes. He's got <laughs> to wrap this <laughs> game up.
1: Exactly. This guy, is, he's, gonna, he's, going, he's, he's got the janitor's office keys. Right. You know, this guy, right? So, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but what I can't figure out is, what I can't figure out is, how does it even get to the point? How you know, yes, her, that decision incredibly crazy. The fact is is we pointed out, as you did, assistant coach, right, there's a head coach, there's other players. I know I know these kids are in junior high, they're thirteen, but they're 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 long enough in the world to be like, "Wait, no, <laughs> you know, no." If you're all the- uh, no, you're not like this is not a this is and to go in there and to play a game impersonating someone, like there was somebody recently caught that like lied about their age, a guy, I believe, who was, you know, 20 some years old and whatever, went back and tried to pose as a senior in high school, but he did it under his own name. Like he lied about his birth and all that kind of stuff and and like enrolled into a high school of some sort. And then that, that finally, but this is like, you know, how how do you not know? She's an assistant coach. She's been on the bench. Like how did anybody just allow this to get to the point where, when the refs were like, all right, everybody, let's jump it up. Like she was out on the court and it it just continued. It's insanity. And then, you know, you, like you said, adults ruin everything. For kids, you know, you got these people, you know, fighting tooth and nail because maybe some, you know, 10, 11-year-old kid thinks he's a girl or she thinks he's a guy right, and maybe man. they want to play on a team. And they're ready to crucify these children. Um, it's a very, very rare, rare, rare instance. But yet all the attention is on well, <laughs> whether you think it's right or you think it's wrong. And yet these are the adults doing these types of things.
0: Right or wrong, right wrong. or Right or wrong. We'll be back to discuss whether it was right or wrong for the Broncos to hire Sean Payton. Brown and Lawhead when we come back. Welcome back to two guys who are legally aged to do this. (laughs) John Browner and Jason Lawhead here on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN. Oh, man. If you guys are just joining us, you missed a really weird story about a JV women's high school game in Virginia. And you should head over to the iTunes podcast or over to YouTube. Like, share, subscribe to the show. Uh, wow, um, we had a breaking news situation on the show yesterday, and it was like breaking, breaking. I mean, breaking for us because you know we pre-record the show, but whatever. If you don't know now, you know, baby, baby. Where Sean Payton was hired. We'll get to D'Amico Ryan's in the in the dumpster fire that is the Texans and what why a black man would work for that organization, but. Sean Payton has is, is have basically now agreed via trade from the Saints to become the Broncos head coach. Now, according to sources, the Broncos will send the Saints a first round pick in 2023 and a second round pick in 2024 for the rights to hire Payton. Now, you've also got to pay this man. Now, it's not like as the Broncos, you're trading for him and you're trading for his contract, and he, you're gonna pay him the same amount that the Saints were paying him. Because he just, you know, quit on them. I don't like this hire. And I don't like this hire for a long list of reasons. First and foremost, the quarterback. Now, you can like Sean Payton for his ability to hire staff. You can like Sean Payton for for his his ability to, to get the offense right. You can hire Sean Payton because he's an experienced coach. You can hire Sean Payton because he's one of many still active coaches with the Super Bowl. There are a lot of reasons to check the boxes of why to hire Sean Payton for the Texans. There's a lot of reasons you can check the box to hire Sean Payton for the Carolina Panthers. I don't believe there's a lot of reasons to check the box to hire him for the Denver Broncos. Because Russell Wilson ain't going nowhere. You will get no new picks because you're giving away picks to get a coach. And in addition to the picks you gave away to get Russell Wilson. You're also cap-strapped, so there's no new players coming in there. For a coach coming in, they usually want the slate clean. I don't know too many head coaches who are lauded for like this guy who would want this job. For me, it's got to be the money because I I assume he's going to be collecting his checks with a ski mask and gloves because this is going to (laughs) be one of the greatest heists of all time, when the Broncos get around week five, week six, these Walmart people gonna be opening up new WalMarts around America faster than you can blink because they're gonna to have to find a way to recoup the seventeen to twenty million allegedly that they're gonna be paying this guy.
1: Yeah, and he already knows the system, right? Yeah, he already knows the system. Like he just saw a franchise pay and trade for him to a con- to a franchise that still had him under contract for two more seasons, right? That he basically now owns the system. He could, he could, he could just in the middle of year two go, I I don't want to do this anymore. I'm good. I retire again. I quit. I know you guys have my rights. And if I ever wanted to coach again, I'd I'd have to go through this again. But guess what? I already, I already won this, I already won this game once. So, um, look at all the desperation in the NFL that's out there, right? There is, there's not much more than a, A few franchises. Correct. I mean, and it's and these teams that even have had amazing success, like the Denver Broncos. I mean, some storied success when you talk about from Elway through Peyton Manning. Manning. Yeah, Um, and look how quickly and desperate they get. Look at how desperate the Cleveland Browns got. You know, look how and and continue to get from you know all the Tim Couches to Johnny Manzell's uh. to what they're what they're willing to pay to Sean Watson and just just hope and pray that he can bring some type of functionality. There's so many just franchises that either go desperate overnight or have been desperate for decades. And so Peyton knows that. And he just played the fiddle on this game. So what is it to him? What's the you know that's what I work. You know, some sometimes as a Browns fan, do do I want Deshaun Watson over Baker Mayfield? Of course. Do I feel like Deshaun Watson is a, is a top tier quarterback? Yeah, I do. But then uh, I'm also afraid with the desperation that Cleveland threw Deshaun Watson, there isn't a lot of incentive, right? There's less incentive for Deshaun Watson to win or to really sell his soul to win for the Cleveland Browns if they stay dysfunctional around him because he's guaranteed everything. Same with Sean Payton. Where, you know, there's a lack of true incentive when he can play this game. Mm-hmm. So, good luck.
0: <laughs>
1: good luck, but Payton already knows the system. I mean, mm-hmm. he's basically invented a version of the system here.
0: I don't think that this is... Yeah, I don't think that this is good for the NFL. No, because uh, like you said, they deserve it though. The every, owners, they all deserve. Oh it. yes, they absolutely deserve to be wrecked over the Colts by these guys for money. If you're dumb, if you're dumb enough to look at Sean Payton's career, and if you think with what again, if this was the Panthers, I would have a completely different conversation. If this was the Colts, I'd have a completely different conversation because these are places that are starting over at quarterback, right? These are clean slate, clean slate situations, with, yes, as you mentioned. With picks and, and and money to for him to build a team around what he thinks that would work. Sean Payton is going to carry his ego into that room with Russell Wilson, a super weird dude who we weird all dude. know has an ego. So you're you're lining up two guys who already don't match. We know Russell Wilson will say and smile his way through every press conference that he has to, regardless of the score, Regardless of whether some guy's cursing him out on the sideline, no he pretends not to hear it. So this idea that that this is going to be a good match between the two of them, I don't like it. I, I and Russell Wilson will pander. Absolutely. All. It doesn't matter if they lose
1: 17 in a row. He will pander with Bible scriptures,
0: absolutely, all
1: day every day, and he'll uh, he'll, he'll 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 just pander his three hundred million dollar contract or whatever it is, two hundred eighty million dollar contract with God is good. We're we're terrible. We've lost seventeen yeah. in a row, but God is good. He gives me the strength and you. go Broncos, saddle up, whatever the stupid saying. Let's is. ride,
0: Broncos. Let's, let's ride because I guarantee you he's going to be at the press conference. He's gonna be at the press conference in a in a in a because he just got done working out and now he's on his way to the children's hospital. But before yeah. he does that, he's gonna sit in on the press conference so he can get up there and, and he can answer a couple of questions about how excited he is for Sean Payton and how great Sean Payton is and that they've they've been in contact and they've communicated and they've got a plan and blah blah blah. And it's blah. God's
1: plan and now I'm gonna go eat my Subway sandwich. I mean that's what this guy's gonna do. <laughs> yes.
0: He might take a Subway sandwich on the stage. He
1: probably will take a Subway sandwich with his sweatsuit and his Bible
0: and his Subway sandwich, and everything will be fine, no matter how bad we are. So I, I just I don't like this on the surface. I don't think that the people in in Denver thought this through. This also gives me trepidation about that ownership group. This, this reeks of desperation to me. It really does. This reeks of desperation. And you're 100% right. Sean Payton knew this would happen. He was smart enough to know he'd had enough of the Benson family who run the Saints because they're cheap. He had had enough of them, and he knew he had squeezed all he could out of that, and he knew Drew Brees was done. Yep. So those two things let him go, you know, ah, I'm done. I'm retired. You guys keep my contract. Yeah, you keep it. You know, I know. I'm just not going to ditch y'all and just go work somewhere else. Y'all keep it because he knew at some point this would happen. Some organization would get desperate enough to meet his financial number that the sure. Saints... The Saints were never going to pay this guy $17 million a year to coach football. Hell no. And Especially he, with Drew Brees on his way out. No way. He knew that, this, that there would be an organization, because all these guys are billionaires. He knew that somebody would get desperate enough to offer him the amount of money that he knew that he could get. And that's what this is. I think Jim Harbaugh's the same way. Jim Harbaugh's going to... Run him. I think this was too much for Jim Harbaugh as well because he's not as desperate. He's already making $10 million playing coaching Michigan. Right. John Payton's not making any money. And he's finally gotten his reputation to the point where Harbaugh's back, Michigan's back. Right. He didn't have to
1: go. Where do I got to go? And and it's interesting you mentioned clean slate. He went nowhere. You know, he didn't want to start with a new clean slate in New Orleans. No. He didn't want to try any clean slate. Maybe his MO is not only am I going to be able to dictate all my terms. I'll go somewhere where somebody else is already the fall guy first, oh. right? Yeah, man. Oh. So, he, I mean, Russell Wilson's already put himself in the position. He's already in the crosshairs of media criticism, fans' impatience, front office, you know, depredation of like, wow, we we, we we paid this guy. And so now, you know, instead of going to a Carolina and then having the blame fall on him after year two or three when things aren't being built Because the clean slate is all on Sean Payton. Maybe he can move from, hey, I'm not going to start over after Drew Brees and and look bad. I'll go over in the Denver in this just guaranteed just money situation. And Russell Wilson's already in the crosshairs. It'll all probably fall on Russell Wilson and John Elway anyway.
0: So I I just, I think that we are now... (laughs) We're in a very, very funny situation with this with, with the coaching and, and the moving and the constant firings that D'Amico Ryans, who's who will now be introduced and was announced yesterday as the future coach for the Houston Texans. The I don't I don't like this hire. Not because I don't like D'Amico Ryans. I don't I hate this Houston, Texas organization. And I can say that with all full faith and credit. I didn't like what they did to Lovey Smith, and I didn't like what they did to the coach before that. I didn't like what they did to Deshaun Watson. I don't like how they do business. And D'Amico Ryans was drafted and played for the Houston Texans, also suit to Houston Texans, by the way. <laughs> and now going, and now he's going to head coach them. And he got a six-year contract, and all that's great for stability and security. That won't stop them from firing him after a year. It won't. It won't, because they're still paying David Cutliffe, Cutcliffe, who was the first coach that they fired after a year. They'll still be paying Levy Smith, who was the guy they fired after a year. And they'll happily be paying D'Amico Ryans after they fired him after a year. This organization, for hiring black people, it's ironic that they're the ones who are hiring the black coaches and creating a diversity on the NFL map, but they're also the ones abusing black coaches. They're also the ones who have people look at them sideways going, Wow, y'all fired that guy after a year? Damn, y'all ain't even give him a chance. So it's 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 such a weird space to be in with that particular organization. Because they are the ones who are making black coaches look just dispensable. Just that right, get another one. Heck, get another one. Yeah. But all- and it's like pat us on the back, we hire black
1: coaches, and then the next minute they're scapegoating them. Right. It's a constant scapegoat of, well, he's fired. Oh, we hired another one. Yeah, he's fired. And so it's this kind of very um, dysfunctional cycle that mm-hmm. they're in. And well, I give D'Amico Ryan a little credit, though, for I like the fact that he said, hey, I'm going to sign this six year deal. And uh, guess what? You're, you you can try to make me look bad. But at the end of the day, you know, um the crying wolf. I'm the last. I, he, he, I almost kind of feel like D'Amico Ryan is the last time Houston really gets away with this. It's either commit to this guy, let him build something, and then he looks great on the back end if he can, you know, pull this franchise back together and maybe get them at the top of that division that is vulnerable and, and open there. That division is for the taking in the next couple of years. Um, or, he, he gets to say, yeah, it's just the same old franchise that's doing the same old business. And I got my six year guaranteed. And even if they fired me in a year and a half, look at them. Don't look at me. They're, they're, they're the problem. And so I kind of feel like he's kind of a bridge to something that kind of exposes Houston in the finality of it all and gives himself a chance to lay some foundation to be a next great head coach and then to be able to say in three years if he does build something, I'm out of here. You guys are – and go on to bigger and better things. So give him a little credit for having the kind of, I guess, intestinal fortitude to take this job. Good that he got protection on the contract, six years. Good for him.
0: I think that these jobs I, th- I think there are no bad NFL jobs. I think they're just bad fits. Because again, as a as a as a black head coach or as any head coach there are only 32 of these. There're only 32 mm-hmm. head coaching jobs in the NFL and all of them are great cuz you have the opportunity in the NFL with such a place right with parity that you could mm-hmm. be 3 and 13 or 3 and whatever the Bears were this year and be first in the division next year because sure. that's the way that the NFL works. They could be a playoff team this year and not be at all in the mix right. next year, like the Rams were, they won the Super Bowl And then all of a sudden now you can't find them. So yeah. it, the NFL is the perfect place for a guy to go to an organization like the Houston Texans. If given the runway, turn it around and get them competitive. Cause it wasn't long ago under, I think it was Bill O'Brien that they had Deshaun Watson, JJ Watt, and they were competing for the division and, and winning and playing playoff games. Yeah, they were. So it can happen. It can happen. The question is, will he be given the opportunity to make it happen? And that and that is still that – that is the biggest question mark that that organization has because I believe in him. I also think this changes the trajectory of the draft, by the way, because if you're D'Amico Ryans and you've been coaching defense, look at what San Francisco has. They're competitive mm-hmm. regardless of who the quarterback is because they've got number one picks all over that defensive line in that secondary, and on that linebacker level. So is he going into this, going to the hell with that quarterback situation? We'll hold the ball with Davis Mills. I need to get my defensive tackle. I got to get my front seven seven fixed before I worry about the quarterback. So I think this also adds a different element to the draft that wasn't there before.
1: Oh, no doubt. And he's going to try to build that defense the way San Francisco has built it. And he knows that, obviously – you know for many years to, you know Tennessee was at the top of that division for that from for basically kind of being a poor man's 49ers of what they are right now and you know run the ball stop teams on defense yeah the jaguars are are looking like the team that is going to you know kind of plant their flag possibly in the next couple of years with Peterson and Lawrence and that's the team you're going after but mm-hmm. uh, they're attainable they they're not a juggernaut you know at least not yet we'll see what they do in the future but you know so um, yeah, I think that's what he's going to do. He's going to build that type of San Francisco, you know, formula and hope he becomes kind of a, a Titan-esque team that can run the ball and beat you up at the, at the line of scrimmage on defense and get you into third down and fourth down and make you punt and win games that
0: way. Cause that's what he knows. That's, that's what, what he, knows. he knows. And guys have got to go with what they know. And I think this is where fit is very important if the general manager of that team who just hired this guy thinks, you know, now nah, I think we should go quarterback. Now you have a situation where, like, listen, man, we're going to be bad for a while. And, mm-hmm. if, and if next year's crop looks more fitting for us, I would rather be bad now, get a defensive guy now and work our way through than get a quarterback, be bad with him and have to take another one next year. So it's it is such a. This is such where fit comes in man. And that's why I don't like the Bronco hire. That's why I like the Carolina hire cuz I think Frank Reich's the right guy for that. I don't know what the hell the Colts are doing and I love that it is miserable and embarrassing for them and Jim Harbaugh won't even take their calls. So yeah. These organizations are showing you who they are. The question is where will we end up at the end of the day cuz I think D'Amico Ryan is going to be more successful than Sean Payton over the course of both their contracts. I just don't I just don't know how fast that's going to be for one as opposed to the other because i think the broncos have to be good right away they're not, they're, sure there's no discussion like this this has to be a playoff team right away this has to or the team that's nipping right on the chargers heels next year listen i i gave you 17 to 20 million ain't no nipping i want the play. yeah i won't i won't end well we not we might not be better than kansas city but I won't, not. I won't end the playoffs. And if that means we got to beat the Chargers, which, you know, uh, depending on who you ask, is very doable. I that's what I want if I'm the owner. I didn't hire you to be behind the Chargers, I hired you to compete with the Chiefs. Right. And if we don't get it, whatever, but we can still be a playoff team if we're second best in this division because the second best division and the second best team in this division make the playoffs. So I, I don't know, man. No, you're right. It's, it's it's. look, you better go out uh, and get Russell
1: Wilson back to Seattle, Russell Wilson, and you better go out coach Brandon Staley for second place in this division
0: and and, then see where we go from there. There's no doubt. So we also, um, this show, this show is trying to find ways to branch out and we're trying to find ways to interact with our community and our listeners. So we're trying to come up with things that can help us, you know, thank you guys. We might be working on something hmm. We may have something in the pot, stirring big time, doing what the two of us do best. Not this. best. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And so we, I, I get a lot of people asking me about it. I know Jason gets a lot of people hitting him up and asking him about it. But we're going we're working on giving you guys something uh, that, that we think would be very fitting to this show and very, very fitting to our brand and what we want to do going forward as a team and then as individuals and and uh we can't really say a lot but but it's in the works we got we got some some levers are being pulled some uh some miles are being walked and the great friends
1: will be the first to know and you know hopefully you know some some you know long time just dedicated sponsors will be a part of it mm-hmm. or a sponsor at least and sponsors And hopefully we tie it all together. And, yeah, I'm excited about some some early kind of, you know, news that we are are at least
0: going to give it a shot. And uh, I know we're being a little vague, but more to come on that. A lot more to come. A lot Mm -hmm. more to come. So we're giving you guys a very small snippet, but there's a lot more to come. Listen, we've had a great week. We've had a great week. So this week, (laughs) this week, we broke down the the championship games, which were fantastic. We had a, a, a really good discussion about the Pro Bowl. Uh, and we, we had a very hilarious conversation about us going up to the Lakers game. So I'm John Browner. That's Jason Lawhead. We've got fun and so much more fun to come. Super See Bowl y'all. week next week. Tune in. See y'all next week. Peace. Peace.